All right, so we've been talking about the glorious church. We took a break for a couple of weeks there for uh, Christmas Eve service and New Year's Eve day service, but we're going to get back on the series today, and we're going to conclude by talking about the glorious church walking in love. Amen? Walking in love. But I have a preamble that I've been going over just about every time I preach the message because I want to lay a foundation that has to do with the glorious church and what we need to do as individuals and what we need to do as a church to become that glorious church. First of all, we start with Romans 3.23 in the New King James Version. Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Most of my life I have looked at that verse, and I suspect most of you have as well, and you looked at it in the negative context. You looked at it for the sin. You concentrated on the sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But one day I was reading many years ago, and the Lord arrested me. The Holy Spirit said, there is more to do with the glory of God in that verse than there is the sin. And he sort of opened up the revelation of what Paul was actually saying here. So if you dig into the original Greek language, you'll find that one of the meanings of the phrase that is translated here, the glory of God, is the viewpoint or expectation or the perspective of God or the way he sees things. So when you put that together in this verse, you have to say, for all have sinned and fall short of the viewpoint or the expectation or the perspective of God, specifically how he sees you living your life. That's what we've fallen short of, the glory that was set aside for us before the foundation of the universe, before time itself existed. God knew you by name. He saw you. He saw your calling, and there was a glory and a grace that went with that calling, and that glory, we have to rise to that glory and be the man or woman God called us to be. Amen? If we become the men and women God called us to be, then we will reach the people God called us to reach. Isn't that right? Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 5. This is talking about the glorious church, amen? In the New Testament context, this is talking about the rise of the glorious church. Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is arisen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Can anybody argue that thick darkness is over the face of the earth right now? It's up to us to rise to the glory, become that glorious church, and start poking holes in the darkness. Amen. Start pushing back the darkness. Start becoming the church that we were destined to be so we can roll back the plans of the enemy. Amen. So verse 5 kind of tells us what happens if we become that glorious church. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged because of the abundance of the sea. That's a metaphor for the unsaved multitudes of the world. The abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. means they'll be born again. They'll be saved. And the forces or the wealth of the Gentile nations shall come unto thee. Amen. I believe there's a wealth transfer coming. The wealth of the sinner has been laid up for the just because we need money in this end times to preach the gospel effectively all over the world. Isn't that right? We don't need money to consume it upon our own lust. We need money to flow in and flow out. 
If God can get it through you, I believe He can get it to you. Amen? Glory to God. That's not just talking about the physical, natural wealth of the Gentile nations. It's talking about the richness of all the cultures and all the different ethnic groups and different nations. All of that will be brought under the fold of the glory of God and bring diversity and bring variety to the kingdom of God. And it's a wonderful thing. That's what will happen if we let that glory rise on us so much so the Bible says the world will see it. Amen. They'll see the glory on us. I'm just getting excited. Praise God. Nobody else may be getting excited, but I'm getting excited. And I might have to run. Amen. There's room. We got aisles. We got running aisles. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anybody here ever run in church? Not lately. Anybody dance a jig in the aisle? Praise God. Hallelujah. That reminds me of a testimony. Mark Brzee, back in the mid-90s. He was preaching at Word of Life, our home church in Shreveport, and uh, Trish and I were on a, about the center left aisle. This is a church of about 1,400 people, so there's a lot of people there. It was our annual Freedom Crusade, and he was preaching, and I don't know, something he said in the Word of God just tripped me on the inside. And before I knew it, I jumped over the person that was next to me, and I was in the aisle cutting a rug. And my wife jumped with me, and she was cutting a rug too. And I, just about the time I thought, I'm looking silly here, it broke out all over the congregation. People started dancing in the spirit. I thought, whoo, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I do not want to attract attention to myself, but I do want to be led by the spirit. And sometimes when the word goes forth, you just have to jump up and down. You have to do something to express your joy uh, that that word is true. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you see me do that, you'll, you'll know why. Either somebody said something or I said something that just tripped me and I just went into the dance. Amen. I did my King David impression, except I'm not going to strip down to my skivvies. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Paul declares in Ephesians 5.27 that Jesus is coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, a holy church without blemish, a church, I think you would agree with me, that has not yet arisen. Amen? But it will, and it is, because the time is short. Jesus is coming. We have billions of souls that need to hear that Jesus is their Lord, Jesus is their Savior. Amen? We got work to do. Romans 8, verse 18 and 19. This is Paul. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory, there's that word again, which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation or anticipation of the creature or the creation waiteth for the manifestation or the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God. Amen. The world is literally aching for you and I to manifest and reveal ourselves as the sons and daughters of God to become the glorious church we've been called to be. The world is shaking and aching for that to happen. Amen. So we must manifest. What does manifest mean? We must reveal the glorious church that all of creation is eagerly anticipating. Now, we come up with, or I came up with by the Holy Ghost, four things we must do to become the glorious church. I know there's probably more, but these are four that the Holy Spirit gave me. Number one, we must walk in the authority that Jesus delegated to the church. Amen? 
Number two, we must walk in the power that Jesus has given to the church. Number three, we must walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that demonstrate to the world that God is real. And number four, most important of all, we must walk in the love that has been so lavishly poured out on us. Amen? And in this series, we've gone over the first three of these four. We've talked about walking in authority. We've talked about walking in power. We've talked about walking in the gifts of the Spirit. And now I want to show you in the Scriptures how love is the cornerstone and the foundation of all of that. How you cannot walk effectively in authority. You cannot walk in power. You cannot flow powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit if the love of God is not your central motivation. Because that authority was given to you For the world that needs Jesus. That power was given to you for the world that needs Jesus. Those gifts were given to you for the church and the world that need to see that God is real. And the gifts of the Spirit, whether you realize it or not, are a manifestation of God's great love for mankind. It's an extension of His love. None of it works without love. Amen? So we're going to conclude this series today with a discussion of number four. We must walk in the love that has been so lavishly poured out on us. So number one, we must walk in love and unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Can I have an amen? John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Talk about that love. Jesus said to his followers, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So Jesus is saying, if you, my followers, will love one another, it will point people to Jesus. It'll point people to Jesus. But we got to love one another. And how many know that sometimes Christians are harder to walk in love with than the world. Because you in your rational mind say to yourself, they should know better. They're believers. Well, sometimes believers just don't act right. And you got to forgive them anyway. you got to walk in love. Amen? John chapter 17, 21 and 22. This is talking about unity. Jesus was praying in the upper room before he went to Gethsemane. He was praying for us. He said that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Notice now Jesus is saying to the Father, if they can be one, then the world will know that Jesus was sent by the Father God. So you see how love and unity are essential in the body of Christ if we're going to become the glorious church that God called us to become. And notice verse 22 says, when you walk in unity, what happens? And the glory which God gave to Jesus, He gives to us. If you want that glory to rise on the church, you need to be a church that loves one another and walks in unity with one another. Amen? I didn't say we had to agree on every little theological doctrinal point, but we can agree that Jesus is Lord, that his blood was shed for the salvation of all mankind. 
His body was broken. His blood was shed so we could have a complete salvation, spirit, soul, and body. We can agree on that. Amen? We can fellowship on that. Glory. Number two, we must feel the heartbeat of Jesus and love the world the way that he and the Father do. Did you hear what I said? Love the world. Now, the Bible says we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. But do you ever wonder why we're supposed to be in the world? So that we can love the world. Amen. And it's born out in Scripture. John three sixteen. You might have heard of this one before. And verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Amen. Did you notice it says for God so loved the world. God loves the world. He loves the violent world. He loves the hateful world. He loves the depraved world. He loves the perverse world. He loves the lost and dying world. He loves the world. And we need to also, if we're going to reflect the glory of God in this age. Amen. Amen. So what does it mean to walk in love? Is that just a trendy Christian phrase we all hear all the time? Well, brother, you just got to walk in love. Did you know it's actually in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Paul says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. There it is, amen. As Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Notice this scripture passage says to walk in love the way that Christ walked in love. We have to give ourselves to the world the way that Christ gave himself to the world. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? We got to get out there amongst them and let them know Jesus is real. God loves them. He's not holding their sin against them. Jesus paid the price that they might be free. Amen. So, 1 Corinthians 13, you didn't think you were going to escape a message on love without getting to 1 Corinthians 13. Amen. You know, as a former military aviator, this looks like a checklist to me, okay? I read through this, and it's like a checklist. If I'm doing this, I'm not walking in love. If I'm doing this, I'm definitely not walking in love. So, as we go through this, I'm going to treat it like a checklist, like when I used to fly the B-52. All right, amen. And this is in the Amplified, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. Listen, you can be the greatest person on the planet walking in the gifts of the Spirit, but Paul says if you're not walking in love, you're just a noisy distraction. You're just wasting your time. The gifts have to be administered in love or they will not be effective. Verse 2, And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. You can be the greatest man of faith on the planet. You can cause mountains to shake and move. But if you don't walk in love, God says, it's all for naught. 
Amen. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it does me no good at all. Those of you that have a ministry out there to the homeless, feeding the poor, clothing them, listen, if you're just doing it out of rote, out of a sense of responsibility, you're wasting your time. But if you do it with the love and the motivation of the Holy Ghost, then you're doing it right. Verse 4, love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Let me stop right there. That's my checklist. Have you ever felt jealousy or envy towards someone? Well, you're not walking in love, okay? Ever, yeah. I'm saying, well, you're not walking in love. If you're jealous or envious of somebody, just stop right there and say, you know what? That sounds like envy. That feels like jealousy. I'm not walking in love. Do something about it. Lord, I am not going to do this. I'm not playing this game. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. Are you arrogant? Are you always talking about your accomplishments, what God has done in your life, and not concerned about what God has done in other people's lives? Well, you're not walking in love. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. You ever been around people that have the, the jerk anointing? You know, it's just like... <laughs> You know, it's just like they just it's like nails on a chalkboard when they talk to you. Guess what? You don't want to be that guy, because if you're that guy, you're not walking in love. But also on the flip side, you still got to walk in love with that guy. Love is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. Are you offended easily? Are you provoked to anger easily? Well, if you are. That's not walking in love. Just determine ahead of time. Listen, when I get offended, I'm going to forgive right on the spot. I'm going to put it behind me. I'm going to walk on. Don't let that baggage attach itself to you. It does not take into account a wrong endured. Well, you know, what they did to me was so bad. What they did was so bad. You know, well, how long ago was that? Well, it was about seven years ago. Are you still carrying that around with you? You are definitely not walking in love, and you are hindering your walk if you continue this path. You need to release it, let it go. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. When you watch the news and the bad guy gets away with the heist, are you secretly happy? If you are, you're not walking in love because you're not rejoicing in righteousness and truth. Amen. Praise God. I know there's movies where we've all watched movies and we've, we've rooted for the bad guys. That's wrong, okay? I'm just telling you, that's wrong. Amen. Love bears all things regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Do you believe the best of people? Or are you automatically suspicious when somebody new and different comes into your life? Do you automatically want to examine their motives and think that they're lower than you? If you do that, you're not walking in love. Now, I know that when you think the best of people, the opportunity will arise for you to get burnt. And it's happened to me many times. But I'd rather live my life thinking the best of people, waiting for them to prove me wrong, than the other way around. Now, once somebody proves me wrong and I realize their motives are not right, and there's something not right with them, well, then I watch them a little warily. I still walk in love, but initially, I give everybody a break. 
hey, this must be a great person, and they must have great things in their heart, and I just think the best of them. Love hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends. Love is the path to victory. Always, always, always. Love will bring you the victory. I'm telling you, the scripture says a soft answer turns away wrath. Many, many times I can recall encounters with people where they were enraged at me and they were expecting me to engage in the enragement. But I answered softly and said, I'm sorry if I offended you or if I did something that you feel was wrong. And almost every time, all of that anger just withers away. It just withers away. They're shocked that you answered them softly and it diffuses the situation immediately. I encourage you to be like that. Don't be the person who wants to get in somebody's face and argue with them. You're just wasting your time. And you are destroying your witness. So love never fails. It never fades nor ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, it will pass away. There will come a time when gifts of the Spirit will pass away. But while we have the gifts of the Spirit... Let's administer them in love. Amen. It is not coincidental that 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched between 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. Chapter 12 is about gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 14 is about tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. And right smack in the middle, Paul is saying it all has to be centered in love or it's not going to be effective. Amen. Glory to God. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 13, a pretty easy verse to remember. And this is the New King James Version. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Notice, faith, hope, and love are going to be eternal. They're going to outlast the gifts of the Spirit. But the Bible says the greatest of them is love. And I want to show you a progression here as we wrap this up. How that faith, hope, and love are connected and dependent upon one another. I say it like this. True faith is connected to hope and rests upon the foundation of God's love. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You have to have hope before you can get to faith. Faith provides substance to the hope. So faith, in a sense, is dependent on hope to begin to rise in you. You have to start with hope and then let faith apply substance to it so the thing that's not seen will be seen through the eye of faith. Amen? Hallelujah. So faith and hope are connected. Galatians 5, 6 in the Amplified. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Listen to this, but only faith activated and expressed and working through love. Faith is connected to hope and it works by actively expressing and working out the love of God out there in the world. Amen. So in conclusion, 
None of these things we've been talking about in this series will have the full impact that God intended if God's unconditional love is not at the center of everything we do in his name. Amen. You can't truly walk in his authority, effectively walk in his power or flow powerfully in the gifts of the spirit unless his love is your central motivation. Bottom line, we can't become the glorious church if we don't first become a loving church. Amen. A church that truly shines with the light of God's love in a way that the rest of the world can clearly see. The scripture says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Amen. Amen. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.